Thank you. I like short introductions. That's good. Um, and I didn't mean to put too much stress under Bill for uh, introducing us. I'll, I'll follow up with him later. Um, I don't know if you all have, have had a chance to meet my wife, Katie, or not, but she's here this morning. So. It's kind of crazy in our house getting three young kids ready for church, and usually she's doing it by herself because I'm here earlier in the morning. I'm glad she uh, she's able to be here. Thanks for inviting me back to be here. I guess I didn't mess up too bad the first time, uh, but uh, it is a joy. And uh, when when I was you know asked to come back, I thought, what in the world am I going to talk about this time? I used everything I had on the other time. I don't have a lot left, but uh, I want to share just a little bit. Um, of some personal study and some research that I've done over the past few years, and it revolves around the book of Psalms. Uh, last Sunday, if you were in worship, that was kind of the theme of our service was Psalms, and I thought it'd be kind of a neat follow-up to that to, to talk a little bit about this. So I've spent um, a little bit of time studying the book of Psalms. It's probably probably my favorite book of the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, um, for kind of... Um, <laughs> Uh, for natural reasons, you know, there's so much about singing and music and, and lifting before God, but they're also so real. Um, I, I love the fact that so many emotions are expressed in the book of Psalms uh, without apology, um, too. And so several years ago, I, I developed a, a four-week Bible study on the book of Psalms. Now, that's kind of hard to do with 150 books to narrow that down into four weeks, so I'm going to narrow it down even more to about 20 or 25 minutes this morning. Uh, so this is very much the Reader's Digest version of, uh, of some of what I found and, and discovered. And, and maybe it's, it's more so just to plant some seeds if you want to explore any further uh, than based on what I've been able to find and to study and to live out as well. Um, several years ago, I came across um, a book and it was by a, um, a contemporary theologian who's you know, still alive today. His uh, name is Walter Brueggemann. Um, I don't know if you've heard of him or not, but he's a professor of Old Testament at Columbia Theological Seminary uh, right here in the Atlanta area in Decatur. And has done extensive work, of course, on the Old Testament, because that's what he teaches, but especially on the book of Psalms. Well, as I was reading uh, several of his works, um, he, he was able to put the, the entirety of the Psalms into three categories. And I'm a very simple-minded person. And so for me to come along and see uh, something so complex, um, so vast, to be able to put into three categories helped me wrap my head around the book of Psalms a lot more as, as I'm reading, as I'm studying, as I'm praying, as I'm singing. Um, and it was just a really great experience. So I'm going to share a little bit of that with you uh, this morning. Um, I love the Psalms because it's, it's an expressed faith of a faithful people. Um, so it's an expressed faith of a faithful people. Um, there's a variety of human experiences and emotions that we find in the book of Psalms. It doesn't take you long to dive into the book of Psalms where you see so many emotions already on the page. Um, and so the first uh, category that Brueggemann suggests for the book of Psalms is simply Psalms of Orientation. So Psalms of Orientation. Let me give you a few of the basics uh, of what that is. So here are some of the, the typical traits of these Psalms of Orientation. So God is known to be reliable and trustworthy. 
reliable and trustworthy. Uh, anxiety is removed and there's a sense of equilibrium, kind of like all of our lives. We have no anxiety <laughs> at all. Everything is great. But there's this understanding that there's no anxiety, no fear, and that there's a confidence in God's created order, that everything works the way it should work and the way that it was created to work. And, and these Psalms of orientation, they serve a theological function. And this is like from a fire hose, and I'm throwing this at you. But um, the theological function is that we give praise and thanks to God. That's what we do in the Psalms of Orientation. But also serves as a social function. It allows us to have a, a sacred space in which the community can express uh, our feelings that are free from fear and that are free from anxiety. Uh, if you think about that, that's, that's kind of profound. We don't really live in a day and age that's free from fear and free from anxiety. There's, there's so much in the world today, so it's kind of a unique thing. Uh, that we experience here. So life is not troubled. There's no trouble in life, just like all of us. Um, they live in a world that's free of surprises. There are no surprises. Um, aren't you loving this? Don't, don't, <laughs> you know, I, I know I'm, you're probably thinking I'm being more depressed than anything here, but um, and that the person or the community trusts that, that God, uh, that God's creation is just as it should be. Uh, that, uh, Mankind, humankind, we haven't messed things up yet. Uh, that everything is just the way that it should be. And that we express our profound gratitude uh, to God. Uh, so you can probably, you may even start thinking about some psalms in your head as you hear some of these things. And um, oftentimes these psalms of orientation are what we use in corporate worship as well. Uh, we're a lot more likely to sing praise to the Lord than where, oh God, are you right now? Uh, so even in corporate worship, we find these psalms of orientation used a whole lot more than we do any of the others. Because we see God as reliable. We see God as trustworthy to be praised, to be thanked. Uh, which is that's important for us and in our, our faith life. So I, I'm going to share just a, a bit from a couple of psalms just to give some examples of this. So the first one I want to look at is from uh, Psalm 145. So as we look at this, I'm not going to read it all because um, they're kind of long uh, and the choir has to leave early. <laughs> uh, by the way, so I have... I, I have to leave early too. I apologize. I have a brass ensemble that starts in rehearsal that starts in three minutes, but uh, they'll be fine. <clears throat> All I do is wave my hands in the air anyway, so we're good. Uh, so uh, Psalm one forty five. I'll just read bits and pieces of this. But I will exalt you, my God and the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. And it continues. The Lord is great. Gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is trustworthy in all of his promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his name forever and ever. So you can kind of see how everything's just the way it should be. There's this sense of, of praise and adoration as a part of it. What's interesting, if you go through and study this particular psalm, Psalm 145, um, and if you were to read it in the original text of Hebrew, you would see that each line of this psalm or each segment of this psalm begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Um, we've lost all that in translation. Uh, we don't see that in our current translation. But if you were to go back to the Hebrew, 
and you were a Hebrew scholar, of course, and were able to read that, you would see that each line begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The significance of that is for the people of this day and age, it was a reminder to them that God is the same yesterday and today, and that his love is everlasting. Uh, from the beginning to the end, the first to the last, that, that God never changes. So oftentimes in these Psalms of orientation, you see this acrostic that happened within the actual Psalm. I, I find, I, I think that's incredible uh, that they could do that. My mind is kind of blown by that and figuring out how in the world I could even do that today. Um, but to see that they were able to do that then. Um, Psalm 104, if we look at that one real quick, it's a Psalm of appreciation and thankfulness for creation. Uh, we see this a lot. So praise, uh, praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great and you are clothed in splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper cha chambers on the water. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. So we see this beautiful imagery of creation, oftentimes in these psalms of orientation, that, that God is working through the proper order of creation in which he originally created things. Um, also in Psalm 37, we'll look at this one real quick. Sorry, I'm just like throwing this stuff at you and then moving right along, but uh, the choir has to leave early. <laughs> um, so Psalm 37, uh, now this is, this is considered a wisdom psalm. You would think that you might even find this one in the book of Proverbs. You see several of these, of these wisdom psalms. Um, so Psalm 37, Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither, and like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So we see this kind of, uh, in a sense, a, a sense of wisdom. Um, that, that God is able to speak in and, to, in and through his people um, when it comes to these psalms of orientation. So if we have psalms of orientation, so any thoughts of what the second category would be? Disorientation. <laughs> exactly. So I'm simple-minded. This makes perfect sense to me. I, I need these kinds. So, uh, so let's, let's look very briefly at psalms of disorientation. So psalms of orientation, everything's great in the world. Everything's the way it should be. Psalms of distant orientation. My life is awful. Uh, where, oh God, are you in this in this moment of my life? It's the, kind of it is the complete opposite of that. So there's it's marked by disequilibrium, um, inco incoherence, and an unrelieved asymmetry that happens in life. And it does often kind of presents itself in the question of God, where are you? where are you in this moment? I don't know about you, but I've had moments like that before. I've had, I feel strong faith, but there have been moments where I said, where are you? I need to see you and hear you. Just the, the, the reality of life that we live in. Uh, there's a variety of different kinds of psalms of disorientation. You'll probably be familiar with some of these. Um, three in particular, lament, uh, protest, and complaint. Um, now, the thing that's important to see about these psalms of disorientation these these psalms aren't um, aren't meant to be declared by people that don't have faith. It's on the contrary. It's people that have deep faith in God that are willing to speak their deepest emotions before God. Um, I always think it's funny when I try to put my best self before God. 
because God sees right through that. Um, God knows who I really am, and here I am trying to put on something that I'm not a different. So these psalms of disorientation really uh, declare the fact that the psalmist and the community in which the psalmist was living has deep and abiding faith and are willing to speak their emotions before God. Um, so life is, is understood in these disorientation psalms to be a journey. Uh, that, that we go through these ups and downs of life. It's just like what you and I experience on a very regular basis. Uh, but it helps us to know that life is real, um, that we're not exempt from uh, the ups or the downs in life. And, and that God, God receives the fullness of our speech, um, that when we come before God, God desires to hear um, exactly what's on our heart. Let's kind of let's stop beating around the bush and get to the heart of it is basically what these psalms. We're going to get to the heart of where my heart is in this particular time. But the great thing about the psalms of disorientation that we see, that even in the midst of darkness, new life can happen. Even in the midst of death, resurrection can happen. And that's the beauty of these psalms of disorientation. So we see that there's, for the majority of these psalms, there's two different... Um, Two different forms that we see that occur throughout the Psalms of Disorientation. The first one, uh, the first form is that of a plea, a plea before God. And it comes in five stages. All right. So hang on with me here. So the first is we address God. So there's a, an initial address to God. So it makes it personal speaking to you, God. So this is a personal moment here. Then it's followed by a complaint. Uh, this is how bad things are. Uh, why aren't you here? Why haven't you done this? Um, so there's a level of complaint that comes in. Then there's a level of petition that happens next. So based on this complaint, the speaker asks God to act in some way. Um, so there's the, the address, the complaint, the petition, then the motivation. I call it the bribe. <laughs> God, if you do this, I'll do this. Uh, I know you've never prayed that before. Okay, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, where God, if you if if you act this way, then I promise that I will give you glory in all of these situations or whatever. So that's the motivation. But the fifth element of this particular form of plea is known as imprecation. So this is where the voice of resentment and vengeance will not be satisfied until God works retaliation. Uh, have you read through the Psalms where God um, bring justice upon my enemies? Um, and it's kind of hard for us to read sometimes, you know, in the world that we live today when we really want to experience as peace as possible. But there is this sense of retaliation that often happens in the Psalms of disorientation. And so this plea, it just, it marks how desperate we are at times in our lives, and especially in the psalmist's life. Well, we, we often will move from this plea into a sense of praise. One of my favorite words in scripture is a three-letter word, but, B-U-T. God, my life is awful. This situation is terrible. Where are you? I cannot see you anywhere, but I will praise you anyway. I will praise you in the storm. Um, that three-letter word, letter word, in my opinion, is one of the strongest words that people of faith can ever say or pray, is that this might be my situation, but I will still praise you. I will still acknowledge you as God, all that is, was. And, um, so these, these psalms of orientation move from plea to pray. So there's this element that the psalmist says, I've been heard. God has heard me. There's an assurance that, that God has heard 
the psalmist or each of us. And then there's a payment of these vows. Uh, so when, when God acts, the psalmist says, because of your faithfulness, I will continue to worship you, to honor you, whatever the, the case may be. There is a payment that is included. And then there's a doxology and praise that we often see at the end of these psalms of disorientation. So real quick, I want to look at a couple of these. Um, the first is Psalm 13. Turn here. This, this is a personal lament. So it's a, we see individual and we see communal laments throughout here. But Psalm 13. Uh, Psalm 13, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? You ever prayed that? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? <clears throat> Continue along at the end of this. But I trust in your unfailing love and my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good. So we see at start of the woe is me and then to end with the but. That leads us into a sense of praise, the plea to the praise there. We find psalms uh, of communal lament as well. We also find psalms of, of penitence. You might be familiar with this one. This is Psalm 51. I love this psalm. Um, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So there's this moment where... We, we realize our brokenness and our need for forgiveness, for love and acceptance. And there's that plea before God as we see in these psalms of disorientation. So we have psalms of orientation, psalms of disorientation. And that moves us to the last category of psalms. Any guesses? <clears throat> yeah, or new orientation. Uh, exactly, where all of a sudden... All is right again uh, because of God's redemptive work uh, done on our behalf. Uh, these, this is probably my favorite of the categories of Psalms because I feel like this is where so, so many of us live in our lives that have been through so much and we're on the other side. Um, so Psalms that bear witness to the surprising gift of new life is often where we see in these Psalms of new orientation. It's a statement of victory of how God has brought us through, what we have been through, and where we are now. So it's a sense of victory. Um, and it's interesting, it's not a literary move. It's not a literary move from orientation to disorientation and then to new orientation. It's a theological move of how God has been actively at work in our lives. Uh, yes, you see it in the literary, literary work of the Psalms, but we sense it more within our lives and how God works within our lives. Um, and... It also speaks to the fact that life is not static. Life is not always the same. Uh, so from one day to the next, um, I mean, let's consider uh, Bill Griffin right now. Uh, Wednesday night, he was doing great um, in, in a moment. We just never know what life is going to bring us, and we pray for his healing as well. So hopefully, in the midst of his disorientation, we'll be praising God because of new orientation. Um, so Psalm, uh, Psalm 40 is an example of this. It's a psalm of thanksgiving. Uh, I love these psalms. Um, I, I had an awakening one day, and I realized, I feel like when I'm praying, all I'm doing is asking God. Um, and I had this awakening that God desires to hear, you know, what our needs are. 
uh, but also desires to hear uh, from us in regards to Thanksgiving. And so I, I've tried to incorporate that into my prayer life, is that before I ask God for a single thing, I'm going to thank Him for five. Um, and my prayer life has gotten a lot longer <laughs> because of that, because I have so much to be thankful for. Uh, so Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He turned to me, and He heard me. He lifted me out of the slimy pit and out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place. And the psalm continues to offer thanks to God, where here's where I was, but God intervened as, as only God can. And look where I am now. I give you thanks and I give you praise. Um, other various forms of these psalms of new orientation is when we see kind of a, a thanksgiving uh, also turns into a sense of confidence. Uh, but not in ourselves, but the confidence in God. And, and the one uh, that I turn to the most in looking at this example is probably one that we uh, will know by heart, many of us at, at least, but it's the 23rd Psalm. Um, as we read in this Psalm, is that the Lord is my shepherd, therefore nothing shall I lack. As we see that we, we see who God is, therefore we realize we can have confidence in God because God has shown himself to and has delivered us from whatever we may be in. So there is a sense of thanksgiving and a sense of because of who God is and how God has worked um, in our lives. And, and the last form of this psalm of new orientation is the psalm of praise. Several mm -hmm. of you said that earlier. And, and that's really what we use so much in corporate worship is, are these psalms of praise. That, um, and I'm going to share this one. I love, I love this psalm. Um, it's Psalm 117. It's one of the shortest psalms, and it comes right before Psalm 119, which is, of course, the longest psalm. Um, uh, psalm 117, this is kind of the Reader's Digest version of all the new orientation, but it says, Praise the Lord, all ye nations. Extol him, all ye peoples. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Psalm, it, it, it sums it all up. Uh, right there, without having to go into specifics. It allows us to see how God has been a work and worthy to be praised. So um, I'm going to uh, wrap it up here. So we've got uh, Psalms of Orientation, Psalms of Disorientation, and Psalms of New Orientation. I'm going to give you some homework. So between now and next week, go through all 150 Psalms <laughs> and categorize what you think they are. Uh, sometimes it's hard to differentiate a disorientation and a new orientation, uh, just because, but, but look for the buts. Um, they'll be in there and that will help. But as you're reading, as you're studying, um, I, when I was going through this, I decided, you know what, I'm going to pray the Psalms. And it gave new vocabulary and new life to my prayer. Because I realized how often these folks that are thousands of years removed from me and my current situation and my current life, how their words were speaking the same thing I needed to speak to God. And I couldn't find the words for them. Um, so if you're looking for something to uh, enhance your prayer life, I encourage. There, there is a collection of praying the Psalms where you pray the Psalms throughout the day, five times a day. Um, and you pray, I think it's three psalms at each of those times, and you'll have it covered. And I utilized that for uh, a, a period in my life, and it was so profound. For me. And allowed, I felt like it allowed me to grow so much in my relationship with God, because it allowed me to have words and vocabulary that I just didn't have otherwise in Scripture. And so I, I want to close with this, and just the significance of the psalms. And I, I'm sorry, I had to th I threw so much, and you probably feel like, I don't know if I got any time. But... Uh, 
But I think it's helpful if we can kind of see the broad category that allows us to live in the specifics and to dive into it a little bit deeper. Um, but I love the fact that the Psalms, first of all, they reveal our story as a church. Uh, I've heard it said that the Psalms could be seen as the history book of the Christian church um, or of the Bible. We know that it's the the song book, the hymn book of the Israel Hebrew, of the Hebrews, but uh, I've often heard it said, too, that it could be seen also as um, the history book. Um, we find so much about the history of God's people in the book of Psalms. We also witness, um, as we witness God's faithfulness in the past, it allows us to have hope and security in the present and the future. Um, it's important. Uh, when I was in high school, I hated history. I thought it was the most boring thing in the world. Like, I don't need to know dates. And what all these dead people did. Um, I, I just, that, it, it did not matter to me. Um, but the older I get, the more I realize my, my present is um, in large part uh, due to the past. And one day people are going to look back and go, well, what did that dead dude me have to do with anything else? And um, so I see this great significance that, that the past not only helps inform, but it also helps to um, allow us to have security in our prayer as well. And that's why I love the book of Psalms too. And and they they provide great senses of vulnerability. Uh, we live in a very proud society and a proud world. Uh, we don't like to be real before people because it makes others it, it it makes us think that others will see us as less than um, if we really tell people how we feel or what we're going through, whatever the situ- situation may be. But the Psalms tell us that we need to be vulnerable to come before. It allows us to be open so that God can do incredible things in us and incredible things through us. And the last thing that I love so much about the Psalms is it tells me their conversation. So often as you read, we only hear one voice at times in the Psalm, but God's voice is speaking. So even in the midst, we we hear and see the psalmist speaking uh, but God is speaking as well in the midst of that. And we often see that whenever there's a response from the psalmist as well. I see your works. They have been displayed with creation or through history. Um, so it allows us to open up and to have uh, a greater conversation with God when we study, we read, and we pray the psalm. Um, so I hope that as, as you read through the psalms and as you come across, um, I, re- I have a, a, a practice where I read through the Bible every year, do it differently. Um, where this year I read through parts of the Old Testament, the New Testament, part of the Psalms and Proverbs. Uh, and I can't wait to get to the Psalms um, every, every day when I'm reading. Uh, of course, I value what's happening in the Old Testament and New Proverbs too, but when it comes to the Psalms, because of this richness of my simple mind now being able to grasp a whole lot more than I, um, I see how my life is often reflected in the Psalms. Um, even though it's maybe from David or another psalmist um, that we probably may not have a whole lot in common, um, but I see that my life is often reflected. I hope and pray uh, that your eyes can be open to study. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you speak to us in incredible ways. Um, and thank you for uh, for allowing us to live our lives in a way that um, that we can be vulnerable before you and each other. And Lord, we thank you for the history that's found in the book of Psalms. Lord, that it not only informs, but it allows us to live into our presence and have hope. For the future. We need hope these days, and we know we can find our true hope. So even in the midst of the challenges and the trials of life, may our con- prayers continue to, to have a but um, as we remember to worship and to praise you for all that you
thank you for this class, for their dedication to you and to this church. We ask your blessings on us as we continue to live our lives for your glory so that others may come to see you, hear you, and ultimately know you as Lord and Savior. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Thank you. I have Katie. I had really wanted Katie to come, so y'all make sure you see this beautiful young lady and just tell them about a little bit about yourself, because they may not know. Okay. Um, currently, in this season, I feel like um, all I do is keep babies alive. <laughs> but she does a good job of it. Um, gosh, I don't know. I was not prepared to say anything. Um, I grew up coming to Roswell United Methodist. This is where I was baptized, and um, my parents were members here for years. So it's been really cool to be back. Were you baptized by Malone? Yeah, by Malone. (laughs) (laughs) So we go go way back. I feel like this was definitely um, orchestrated by God. Years in the making. It's been really fun to come home and feel really So thank you guys for, for having us. And... Uh, if anybody has any questions, I'm happy to answer them, but really come prepared. Yes, children. we have three children, um, two girls and a boy. Allie is 10 and in fifth grade. Aubrey is three. She's our little firecracker. And Carson is one and a half. He's a sweet, sweet boy. Yes. Um, my parents are Jim and Sharon Viandi. Anybody remembers? Yeah. Yeah, you did. It's him. Anybody else? the best. I love seeing all the old videos and hearing his his voice. And he used to narrate the 4th of July concerts here. I get patriotic concerts. So I loved coming to that this year.